What is up, internets? Welcome to one of the final episodes of The Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense. What is up, everybody? So as you heard in the intro there, we are ending this show only because it's not, uh, I thought it would be doing better than it did. We're also switching some branding here. There is a huge unveil coming March 1st. We're going to have a whole bunch of new stuff for you over here in Randy King land. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy our teaser campaign that starts February 1st, where we start releasing what's going on, what the changes are, what our new focuses will be, and we'll be going from there. So uh, I only have about five episodes of this show left. I kind of want to have 50 of them just because 50 is a nice round number. If we get there, we get there. If we don't, we don't. It's not a big deal. So we have back on the show, my friend Martin from Germany. Martin is here to debate a interesting topic that um, I think a lot of people have issues with, which is, do you need to be able to trust your instructor? Like, is there a need for trust in order for you to build training, et cetera, et cetera. So before we get going a little bit further, I'll get Martin to introduce himself in case you haven't heard his last episode. Don't forget, this is episode like 46 or 47. So there's a ton of episodes on YouTube or on our podcast channel where you can listen to 45 debates on various topics in the self-defense world and one comical one with Master Ken. So anyways, Martin, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, hello, Internet. My name is Martin. I'm a self-defense instructor from Germany. I've been in the self-defense world for like 11 or 12 years now and been an instructor for eight. Started out as a normal, quote-unquote, Krav Maga instructor and then ventured into the world of holistic self-defense, which is stuff like de-escalation, understanding the psychology and, and everything around just fighting and violence. And last year, I started my own methodology or concept of self-defense with critical response where I can formulate my own methods and thinkings about the tactics and how we can counter violence and uh, I'm very thankful for Randy for having me because I always uh, I think we we agree on a lot of things so it's going to be a fun discussion if we try not to yeah, we'll see how it goes. So if you haven't heard the show before, there's a couple of rules. Number one is we start as friends, we leave as friends. I did not want this show to become a Facebook feed of people just yelling at each other with no responses. Uh, you get enough of that on your social media feed. You don't need that here. Uh, the next thing is we have 15 logic fallacies that I usually say I send ahead of time, but I think Martin didn't even get them the first time. We have 15 logic fallacies that we have to uh, abide by. If you get caught in a logic fallacy, you are one of the two people debating myself or Martin will call the other person out. Hey, Randy, you have hit a slippery slope fallacy. I will, if you cannot talk your way out of it being a fallacy, you need to take a deep breath. <sighs> Apologize. I'm sorry for using a logic fallacy and then secede your turn to the other person so they can continue their point. Um, and then we get back into it. So a deep breath, apology, lose your turn if you hit one of the logic fallacies. If you're interested in what the fallacies are, hit episode one of this podcast. I go through each of the 15 fallacies that we use in that episode. Now, there are more logic fallacies. Don't get me wrong. There isn't only 15. There's so very many. But we chose these 15 because they help keep the conversation going. So for example, circular logic. Circular logic is returning to the same point over and over again. That does not make for an interesting podcast. So we made that one of the one of the fallacies that we want people to pay attention to. So 
Other than that, all of our, the whole show, the free show will be here. We will always be doing what we call final thoughts on Patreon. That's at our $5 level on Patreon, Randy King Live uh, Patreon, which will only be around for another three, two months. That Patreon will be changing its name. So uh, just if you are listening to this in the future, past March 1st, there will be a different name. You can look it up. Just jump on our group page and we'll tell you what that is. Because again, I'm not telling nobody anything yet. All right. So we'll do the debate. It's about 20 minutes. Final thoughts is after the show, we'll talk about our actual thoughts on the topic. I really want everybody to understand that we are debating only our side of the of the of the argument just because we say stuff does not mean we necessarily believe the things that we're saying we're just trying to win our side of the debate if you want our actual thoughts again join us on final thoughts so martin we decided the topic like i said earlier here in the show is do you need to trust your coach right and so does that statement work do you want to narrow it down anymore I would maybe add the word necessary. Is trusting your instructor necessary in order to learn self-defense? I mean, trust is always a good thing in a relationship, but the question should be, is it necessary to learn self-defense or is it not? Does it work for you? Yeah, I think it's a great addition. I think that'll help in my side perfectly. So uh, yes, is it necessary to trust your coach to learn self-defense? Martin, what side of the debate are you taking? I will take the pro side and saying it is essentially necessary to trust your coach in order to learn effective self-defense. Awesome. So that means I'm taking the opposite side. It is not, you do not need to trust your coach in order to learn self-defense effectively. So as the show works, Martin gets up to the first four minutes to make his opening statement. We are going to start the clock now. Go, Martin. I would like to start with a little bit of definition because trust is a very vague word. I would like to define it a little bit more before we start into the argument. I just Googled it and looked up the Oxford Dictionary definition of trust. And there were three sentences. I will read them all because there are lots of interesting thoughts in it. First one, firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. Second, acceptance of the truth of a statement without evidence or investigation. And third, the state of being responsible for someone or something. So this is trust, and we can work off all of these three sentences. Second, I want to say, I will just talk about positive trust. And by that, I mean trusting a person that they will uh, always do the best for you and have very good intentions, not trusting them that they will not do something maleficent. So it's not about trusting your instructor not to rip you off and take your money or to give a shit about you. It's it's a good instructor. It's a good self-defense system. It has good intent. But do you still need to trust in that person in order to learn self-defense effectively? Does that work for you? That works for me. Perfect. Then I'll go into the main argument I have. Because self-defense is not necessarily about learning a skill, how to block a punch or evade a situation. It's about becoming a strong person and character so you do not get picked as a victim. Your instructor needs to work with you on your character and the way you interact and see the world. And this is deep work about your ability to perceive stuff about your personality. And in order to work on this level, you need to trust another person because you will never let them into deep enough to work on this if you do not trust them. Right. All right, cool. So uh, obviously I have to disagree with you. And I actually, I actually kind of fundamentally do. So I'm going to start my side of this debate off with, you can like the art without 
without liking the artist. So what I mean by that is the product of what somebody does does not necessarily have to come from a person that is of a high moral standing. So yes. on that note, so we have the three places of trust. So uh, belief on the reliability. I would say that almost anybody that joins a self-defense club walks in without trusting and that trust can be built, but it can be built in the system. It doesn't have to be built on the instructor. I know lots of people that take self-defense systems who don't like their instructor, don't really trust their instructor, that they're giving like the ultimate thing, but it's the only access point they have. When it comes to um, acceptance of truth, truth is always super relative. And the more we become social media, it becomes relative. Um, and then the last one is being responsible for somebody. This actually is an overarching thing. Um, I disagree with the point you made about us having to, uh, us as instructors, us improving somebody's character. I actually dislike the fact that self-defense coaches, self-defense coaches are talking way outside their pay grade about uh, people's development, people's uh, psychology, people's etc. Our job is to give the person tools on to how to make them safer. And that is the instructor's job. You can trust in the tools without trusting the instructor. There is no need for you to trust the instructor. And in fact, it becomes toxic if you use that uh, instructor as your psychologist, marriage counselor, et cetera, et cetera. Martin. Yeah. And this point I have to agree because as instructors, we have to focus on what we are. We're not psychologists. We are teachers of a certain life skill, self-defense. But in the end, it's not about um, a physical application of force or a verbal tactic of de-escalation. It's about the mental ability to do something in a high stress situation when you're very frightened and scared and you don't know what to do. This is the core of self-defense. So the easy part is, like you said, trusting the tools is very easy. So get a good physical skill set, a good verbal skill set, good awareness skill set, it's very easy. What is hard is to develop the trust in yourself that you can do it under high stress, high risk situations. And in order to get there, especially for people that have little trust in themselves, they have to have a holding hand. And this is their instructor. So our job is not necessarily just to give the skills. Our job is to hold somebody's hand so they can take the journey of uh, character strengthening and developing themselves to get into this place where they are resilient enough to function under high stress. So I'm going to make the point for the debate. Remember, I'm only debating my point. Um, I disagree. That's not your job. That is not in the job description. Your job description is provide the program, give them the thing, and it's their job to get themselves through it. Now, you can help them, but this is where trust becomes a little bit of a problem. Let's look at, let's take it out of self-defense. Let's move it towards other sports. So- okay. There was a rash of accusations of wrestling coaches and football coaches and other coaches uh, sexually abusing their, uh, their members of the team, okay? Yes. Every single one of the people that was assaulted still did very, very well in their sport, whether it was football or wrestling. They got to high levels, but they didn't trust their coaches because their coach was physically assaulting them. So 
trust is not necessary to acquire the skill you need in the area you are in. If that was true, then almost all these people who came out wouldn't be in the NFL. They wouldn't be high level Olympic wrestlers. They would have quit. So I would argue that trust doesn't matter if there's a skill set that is acquirable. Okay. The skill set can be taught even by a very a bad or toxic person. And there can still be some functional teaching, functional in the sense that the student learns what he's supposed to learn, while there's a very broken relationship underneath. But not for self-defense. If we look at how predators pick the prey, and especially for, for long-term abuse, if there's somebody grooming the victim, and they have this broken personality because they have acquired a skill set, but under high levels of uh, force, even just maybe mental or psychic, uh, psychological force, not physical force. And they learned to follow orders of somebody who had not their best intentions at heart. So they acquired the skill set, but they also acquired the characteristic traits of being um, under somebody's thumb that has not their best intention. So if we just focus on the skill set and not uh, combine it with a positive, trustful relationship, the students will learn some things, but underneath there's a fundament that is highly broken and there are very big cracks a predator can come in. So it will all be reversed if there's a high level predator. By your definition, the debate is, is it necessary? necessary so as you just admitted they can still learn the skills that the coach is actually paid to give them even without trust in that coach now uh, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense i think that's what i'm really going to stick to in this debate is that's a different definition of rules and duties right so in your uh, definition the role of an instructor includes caretaker caregiver etc a lot of people, it doesn't. It, that's not what they're there for. They're there to make you tougher in whatever way they see fit. Now, again, necessary is the skill set of self-defense, soft skills, hard skills. You cannot enjoy somebody and still get a lot of information. You cannot trust them. You cannot trust them with, uh, like, you wouldn't go to their house at night. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, you know, go to a, get a drink with them for sure. You wouldn't do it, but you uh, still can gain a black belt. You can still gain a certificate. You can still get the necessary skill set. So you're talking about a segment of people that are already traumatized. Now, I understand that's where your argument stands, but statistically, that's not the people that take self-defense classes, right? Yes, it's a new market, and I get that, but we can't, we can't be talking about new markets. We're talking about what the general course is right now. And the general course is people go to you to get a skill. It also works on the reverse. Like you also don't want to become too friendly with your students either, because then when money comes up or renewals come up, they start leveraging you. Right. So it's I, like I said, the, the point of this debate is, is it necessary to trust your coach? I do not think it's necessary for you to get what you are paying for. Maybe we'll get the bonus stuff like you're talking about, but that's not implied unless your marketing says like, come and learn self-defense and soft skills. Oh, and get a life coach. Then, then, then no, then you need trust. But if they're not paying for that extra part, that's something you're providing on top of the service, which does not make it necessary for the service. That's fair enough. And I can't argue my idealistic version of self-defense against uh, the wider standard in, in the whole industry. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this point and I'm gonna uh, flip the argument a little bit. Cool. Because you said it, like most people that come to self-defense classes aren't traumatized. They're like normal civilian good citizens. They want to learn a skill set to protect themselves. This also means that these people do not have a very large experience with violence or violent situations. So they come in a class and they do not really know what what they need, what skills they need. They maybe have the, the image in their head, but it's not very concrete. So in order to trust the skills they learn and can use them under stress, they will need to trust their instructor because they can validate if the skill they are learning is solid and useful, if they do not get in a violent situation, but they can verify if their instructor is a good person who has their best intentions at heart because trust is a social interaction we use our whole lives and they have way more skill at this than at verifying self-defense skills. Sure. Uh, I, again, I'm going to flip that on its head. I like your point. I understand that, but this is where trust goes toxic, right? Uh, I have post-concussion syndrome because I trusted one of my coaches implicitly and he was lying to me. So if the coach gets to decide what the curriculum is, where it's going, they can make you believe anything. There's people that believe in knockout artists. They trust their coaches 100%, Martin. They firmly believe they trust it. And so is trust necessary? I think in that case, trust is a problem. In fact, not having trust in your coach and constantly questioning what they're doing and looking for your own resources, I think is better than blindly trusting somebody to give you all the information while you turn off your own brain. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Blind trust is always, like I said, blind. There are blind spots and you will miss stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm going back to my definition in the start. It's, yeah. it's a good person with a good system and good intent teaching you. And the question is, do I need trust in a good person not do I need uh, to, to be frightened of a bad person teaching me the wrong things. So I would argue it's not about the blind belief in a person, it's about the trust in a good instructor. And if there's somebody teaching good stuff and I can trust the person that the stuff is good, it is easier for me to, to verify. I shouldn't be trusting them blindly, but I guess this, the, the, the blind trust discussion is for, for final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I should trust them with, with uh, critical thinking. And trust, healthy trust, has always boundaries and self-worth. I'm not trusting and depending completely on the other person. I'm trusting them from a, from a standpoint of, I know that I'm myself a valuable human being, and I trust the other person in an area where, where I can make my own opinion or not as so, solidified it as the other person. By your you know what I mean? By your definition, is that trust? Because the first point of your definition was belief on the reliability. If you are double checking, you don't trust your coach because you don't have belief in the reliability. Okay. And the, I mean it like in a little bit in between. So. Okay. I as a person, I, I had a peaceful life. I have no experience with, with violence, but maybe want to learn self-defense because I'm frightened by news articles or, or my brother having something, whatever. So I'm going into a class. I do know, know nothing about violence and, and fighting. So in order to accept what I'm learning is effective and can protect myself, I will be looking more at the person teaching than at the system taught. Because what, what I'm seeing in the class it's, it's 
just like noise. I can't verify it because I have nothing to compare it to, except maybe the movie images, but we will not go into them. So I'm looking at the person. Is the person trustworthy? Is that somebody who I think has my best, uh, has the best intentions for me? And if I can, like, like the social skill, if I can verify the person, person's intention, I can compare this to what is thought. But if I'm just looking at what is thought without a comparison to anything, I will never believe it deep down that it's a useful skill. Right. So, and again, you are, your point on this is positive trust, not negative trust. So yes, it could be like drug dealer at night, but as long as everything they're teaching you in the day is functional skill set that is reliable, that is okay. Right. That's the, the, the side you're on with this. Yes. Okay. That's cool. Just making sure. So I think the word trust again is it's you're making this debate. You're not making, but it's you're edging towards should your coach be open with you, not should you trust your coach. So that's a different debate, right? Should your coach give you all the relevant information? So what if the coach is trustworthy and he trusts the wrong person? He firmly believes the information he's giving you is good, but it's not good. Is that the coach's fault? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think there's a <laughs> there's a margin of error everywhere. Of there's no perfect system. There's no perfect um, instructor and all this stuff. So even even the best person you trust in it can still go wrong. But it's it's hard to argue this, and I don't know what exactly. But it, it feels like a logic fallacy because it's uh, it's too too much of a blanket statement. Every everywhere is an error. Everything can go wrong at any time. Doesn't mean that trust is not is not necessary. Right. So I guess let's go back. We only have four minutes left. Going okay. back to trust that, sir, I still, I haven't been convinced that it is. Um, and as a person that really it believes in trust instructors, I don't, I don't think it's necessary because in fact, I would argue against trusting your coach and questioning everything. Cause I'm going to use the same thing, right? There's so many systems that aren't pressure tested and the coaches have learned it time, time, time again. And the system has worked for them in their competitions, et cetera, et cetera. They're not giving bad information. So if they're being hundred percent honest with you and you trust them, you could still be getting information doesn't match your skill set now and also you trust your coach and, and you're like you know what actually i was looking for something more pressure testing and they're like well honestly we've seen statistically you don't need that if you trust them you're not gonna search that out right it's yeah. better to critically think in any situation because like you said right there's so many places where uh there's 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 holes in the game there's gonna always be right like if you're looking yeah. for tai chi don't join mma if you're joining mma don't think tai chi is gonna help they have different prop things right but is trust necessary you haven't you haven't argued that it is necessary because it's not to get the skill set in fact i would argue it's almost it's almost a hindrance it's almost a bad thing to have trust in your coach because then you're going to get complacent in what they're saying as opposed to doing your own self-defense journey Okay, but if we look at the pressure testing from the other side, if we're doing hard pressure testing, like uh, high realistic scenarios, lots of force, all that stuff, there needs to be a measurement of trust between the student and the teacher. Because if I'm willing to go in a situation, even in training that is very risky and I can go, can get hurt physically or emotionally, I have to have a level of trust that even while I'm practicing this very dangerous skill set, I will still be safe because in the end, it's about being safe, not, not about being a good fighter. Right. And if I get hurt in training, my goal is not reached. So if we do effective training, scenario, pressure testing, all that stuff, there has 
to be a level of trust in order for me as a student to be willing going into the scenarios. I would argue the level of trust needs to be on the people you're doing the scenario with, not the coach. Yeah, but still, isn't isn't every group basically uh, after the image of the instructor? If you're as well as an instructor, you will just have assholes in your group. If you're a nice guy as an instructor, you will have nice people in your group. Maybe I would say yes. If you blindly trust them and don't critically think, then you're going to become like your instructor, right? So again, trust is a hindrance. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, no, I think the onus of that is if you're already there and paying, it's implied that you're getting some value out of the system. I don't think trust is necessary. I've trained with plenty of people that I do not trust, but they have a skill set that I need. Um, and I was there only for the skill set, not because of that instructor. But in the drills, I had to trust the people I was doing the drills with. So I put the trust, the onus on the people I'm working with, not the instructor. Martin, we have about a minute. You could counterpoint and then kind of do a closing statement. It will still um, emphasize that if I have to trust the other persons I'm trained with, maybe not in a, in a seminar setting where everybody is new, but in a group setting where they know each other, if the person that is... Uh, leading the, the lessons is not trustworthy, the other persons in the group will not be trustworthy as well, I'm saying. And, but, but I can see your point on this and we will go back to this in a second. <laughs> so to, to maybe go to a closing statement, I would say it's not about a specific skill set. You can learn it from instructors you do not trust, but going into the core of self-defense is being able to do stuff you don't want to do and you can just learn this mentality in a place where you feel safe and for safety you need to trust the person that is training you cool and for my closing statement i agree with everything you said i don't think you need to trust i don't think you need to trust the coach though you need to trust the safety protocols you need to trust the equipment you need to trust the people you're working with but trusting the coach is not necessary for transfer of skill um, and so the debate is, is it necessary? I believe it is not necessary, but come to final thoughts because I'm going to eat a lot of crow on everything that I've said here. And if you're from Europe, eat crow means like eat my words, like I did something incorrectly because this is not a stance I normally take. All right, everyone, that is the end of the debate. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, these are the final episodes. Ideally, we're going to have four more, but we might not. I'm really busy with all the new shenanigans that we're working on over here. Um, and that's taking up a lot of my time. You probably notice I'm not on social media as much. You probably notice that I'm not posting as much. Uh, that's all on purpose because there's just new things in the pipe. And I really want to focus a little bit less on being popular on social media and a little bit more on creating cool products for all of you to use. So you can take like my online courses, et cetera, et cetera. That's where I want my focus to be. So yeah, it's neat that I have X amount of followers on Instagram, but honestly, it's like being rich in monopoly. It doesn't actually matter. Uh, I want to provide really, really cool services. And we're working on some phenomenal stuff with a team of people that I'm really excited to bring out to you. Martin, I'm done promoting. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, uh, I have a website, uh, critical-response.com, also on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I think it's easiest if Randy's just putting the links below the episode, then just saying a bunch of random numbers. Um, I'm very glad if somebody will come on, like, follow, share all the social media stuff. I'm, I'm new in the business and new in the social media world, so every help is very much appreciated. Um, also, thanks for Randy. Uh, always love those podcasts, and it's a good work for me.
yeah, no, that was a super fun one. And it was, uh, it was yeah. fun for me to pick the, or get the other side because obviously I really do believe trust is super important when you're working with somebody, especially going through icky stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Follow, follow Martin on all this stuff, critical response. Give him some likes and shares. I know I just kind of crapped on social media, uh, but it's important, especially when you're up and coming for people to yeah. get eyes on you. So like and share and, you know, follow my Pass the Mic initiative where we're trying to get more people on that might not get the exposure because they don't have a sales backer, like a game show host, woohoo, like I do <laughs> a little bit more. And I always want to state, I'm always super impressed. The amount of people that turn down this show, one of the reasons why we're stopping it, the amount of people that turned down the show was insane. And I love getting people like Martin here where English is not his native language. He's not from an English speaking country and he can come in and swing toe to toe and native speakers of English at high level of the profession are terrified to come on this, but people who don't even speak English is their first language do. So Martin, thank you so much for, for stepping up. I really appreciate it. Like yeah, I said, I had a lot of fun. I'm glad maybe four more of these come join us on final thoughts and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon.